You know by now, of course, the UAW members, we talked about it Friday, actually, uh, that the UAW members have now all, or 97% of them, authorized a strike against uh, the Detroit uh, automakers. And we talked to uh, a management professor at Wayne State University, Merrick Masters, last week, and he said, although this is just a formality, it's an important one. They're on track for a collision if things don't get better, and they I'd be hard-pressed to think they're going to get better, although there was hope with the workers at the Ultium Cells battery plant uh, approving a wage increase agreement. That that was one bit of sunshine. And, and uh, following this, auto and business reporter of the Detroit News, uh, Jordan Grzlowski is on the other end of our line to fill us in with more with the story that she has presented with her research. Jordan, welcome to the uh, Paul W. Smith Focus Show. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, it is our pleasure. I mean, we are on a, a, a crash course for a strike. We just don't know any details yet. We do know it'll be horrific when it happens. Um, yeah, so as you noted, UAW members who work at Ford, GM, and Stellantis last week um, overwhelmingly voted to authorize a strike if a deal is not reached by the contract expiration date, which is um, end of day, September 14th. Um, I think it's still, you know, anyone's guess what could happen here. UAW President Sean Fain said very explicitly that while progress at the bargaining table is is slow, that does not mean that it's not still possible to reach agreements by the deadline. And he did emphasize that striking is not the goal. Um, I think if you speak with most auto workers, you know, they don't necessarily want to go on strike, but the possibility is there. And they did overwhelmingly vote to authorize a strike if their leaders feel that one is necessary. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody who's making six figures would uh, like to switch to uh, what is it? Is it five hundred dollars a week? The strike fund, something like that. Well, you know? I think that, uh, you know, a, a strike is obviously difficult for anyone who is out on strike and for their families. Obviously, it does take an economic toll, a financial toll. Um, but in speaking with, you know, the workers I've spoken with have said that, you know, if it comes down to it, if the companies are not willing to, um, you know, end the tier system, agree to raises, agree to reinstating cost of living adjustments, they are you know, willing to make that sacrifice if that's what it takes. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. They they want that 46% wage increase over four years. Uh, they want a 32-hour work week, but they still want to get paid for 40 hours, by the way. You know, some stories don't include that. They just say, well, the workers want a 32-hour work week. Okay, well, that's something they can talk about. Oh, but by the way, they want to be paid for 40 hours, even though they only work. 32. It's kind of a, a, of a mentality of the jobs bank. Okay, you can close this factory because you're losing your behind on it, risking all jobs, but you can close the factory, but you still have to pay the workers. I remember when I first heard that I was working in New York and people were making fun of my city of Detroit and our auto industry saying that they signed such a deal. Um, we're not going to go backwards right now, but the the point is, there's all kinds of things, the cost of living adjustments, uh, defined benefit pensions, retiree health care for all, increases to retiree benefits, uh, the right to strike over plant closures. You know, no company closes a plant for fun 
or just because they want to. They do it because it's not working. And how do you keep a company in business if you don't allow them to do the things they need to do to stay in business? So, uh, I mean, this is just uh, whatever. Uh, What they're talking about, all told, the demands uh, could increase total labor costs, including wages and benefits, to more than $100 per hour per worker. So the automaker's current all-in labor costs are around $65. That's still $20 an hour uh, more than, uh, say, for example, the workers making 45 bucks an hour at Tesla, for example. You know, when <laughs> when I started railing against the all-electric vehicles, the EVs, and couldn't believe how excited the UAW seemed to be about it, I asked aloud and on this radio show, what, what are you guys thinking? They're going to need far fewer workers in the future because of that EV move. Anyway... What else do we need to know? Is there anything else you picked up from the management professor at Wayne State University, Merrick Masters, who seemed to be a pretty sharp guy? Yeah, um, Merrick is is a great expert source. He's been following the UAW for a long time. Um, I think from speaking with experts, you know, it's also important to keep in mind that, you know, this doesn't mean a strike is going to happen. And I think that given the new leadership of the UAW, there are just so many unknowns. And, you know, there's not a playbook that is necessarily being followed here. Um, the UAW leaders have said, for example, they're not targeting any one single company as the UAW has done in the past. They've said they will not agree to extend the um, contracts past the expiration date, which, you know, that has certainly been a norm in the past. Um, but looking also at examples like the the Teamsters and UPS, it was, you know, very widely predicted and assumed that there would be a strike because of the heated rhetoric leading up to that and the Teamsters, you know, showing willingness to do that. But then that was averted at the last minute with an agreement. Um, so I think we'll just have to see what happens in the coming weeks. And this is all kind of counting down to uh, September 14th. Well, you can't blame people for just believing there's going to be a strike. I mean, but the UAW's Mr. Fain has to take uh, ownership of the fact and probably proudly does, that he referred to the big three as the enemy before they even started talking, and he refused to do what they've done historically forever, which is shake hands before they start to negotiate. That, to me, it made no sense, but, you know, he's doing what he's doing. He f- he feels he's rescuing uh, the UAW, and, and, you know, he has a, obviously he has a completely different approach than... Uh, the former UAW president, who I still admire and keep in touch with, Ron Gettelfinger, would never have handled things this way. And, um, I, you know, for all I know, uh, Mr. Fain doesn't feel that Mr. Gettelfinger did a good job, which would be a huge mistake and show that he really knows less than I thought. Um, and, by the way, we've called a couple of times to get him on the air, and uh, he won't come on the air. So that's unfortunate. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say no one told him at the office when we left the messages. That, I'm sure, is not true, but I'm going to say that just to give him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't care what we think or what we say, but he should care what our listeners think and say. But he probably thinks that no UAW workers listen to my show. I don't know what he thinks. Not a lot, apparently, except anger and causing a situation that is kind of a lose-lose proposition, which isn't anything you ever want with people you work for. 
Appreciate your help on this. I'm sure we'll talk again, Jordan. Thanks much. All right. Thank you. Jordan Grzlewski here on the Paul W. Smith Focus Show on WJR. The president now knows uh, what he knew before, that uh, the president's January 6th trial will begin March 4th. Oh, my goodness. How's that possible? Amid the GOP primaries. Oh, that must be a mistake. Oh, no. It's not a mistake. It's exactly what we assumed they would do, and they have done. So obvious. At least that's transparency extraordinaire as we continue.